listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. It's so good to worship with you all. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to James chapter 4, verse 13. James Chapter 4, verse 13. You may remember uh, before we started our Christmas series in December, we've been going through the book of James really since uh, late August, early September. And we're going to finish the book of James this month. And it's, it's actually really, in my mind, I think it's really cool how it worked out as we uh, divide up the book of James, how we would approach it and break it down. Uh, this morning's text is actually very applicable for thinking about the new year. And as you can see, the title of uh, Four Small Shifts. We actually had a, an alternate title, Four Ways to Crush the New Year. Um, and we decided not to exactly go with that one because I think it's actually maybe what, on your notes in the bulletin. But um, that, that's kind of a silly way to approach anything in life. Like, if I just do these four things, I will completely dominate and have the best year ever. That, that's not actually how life works. That's certainly not how the Bible talks about the Christian life. As a believer, someone who's already had a radical change going from death to life in Jesus Christ because of his life, death, and resurrection, being saved by grace through faith, that's already a radical change. And it's more about rather than every year, how can I totally reinvent myself? It's no, what are some small shifts I can make that have dramatic impact? Right, what are some small things I can do for long stretches that will have significant impact? And this text, we're going to see, it's a great way to think about the new year, but I would say more, more importantly, maybe more um, accurately, it's a great way to, to think about every single day, to every day kind of have this mindset. There's small little details that you can change about your way of thinking. If you had the opportunity to do some long-distance shooting, uh, I remember the first time one of our friends took us out to do some long-distance shooting, and he's got these I guess like sandbags underneath the stock of the gun. What, what is that for? Are we going to take a nap on the, on the sandbag? What are we doing? And it was actually, you have that there and it, you, you change uh, the height of, like, of how you're aiming by squeezing or letting go of that sandbag. I'm probably not explaining that really well, but I think you get what I'm saying. This small, just a few like grains of sand can change the trajectory of the bullet when it's going that far. Or if you're into doing some barbecue and you like um, smoking a brisket or something like that, you know that just a small little change in temperature when you're cooking something for 15 or 16 hours has a tremendous impact over, over that long of time, right? So what are some small things we can do every day? Gospel mindsets, meaning because we've been saved by grace through Jesus Christ, he's changed us. We want to live a life that brings him glory and then because of that, it's for our good. What are some small mindset shifts we can make for 2023, but really every single day that have tremendous impact? I want to read the whole text, and then we're going to go and see really four things that I think jump out from this passage. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring or what your life will even be. For you are like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet 
not do it. First thing, first mindset shift. Number one, first mindset we need to embrace. I don't know much. <laughs> My wife's like, amen, brother. <laughs> Talking about me. No, it's the embracing the fact I, I don't know much. He's not saying it's wrong to plan, but he's pointing out how silly it is to have this arrogance about, I know that I'm going to plan and I have all these uh, things lined out for the year. He's saying, you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. So wh why are you approaching life with this arrogance of like, I've got life all figured out? You, you don't know much. In comparison to God who knows everything, is control over everything, you, you don't know much. He says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. And then I love verse 16, actually, like it's convicting, but he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So what is he talking about? He's not saying that planning is arrogance. He's not saying, saying, hey, you know, this year we're going to make a profit. That's not arrogance. He's talking about the heart posture. When you have a heart posture, that's like, I, I, I for sure have these plans. I've got it all figured out. I've got control of my life. When you have that posture, rather than a humble posture, posture that says, I'm going to trust God. And yes, we've got some plans, but ultimately we, we know he's in control. He knows everything. My life is in his hands. One posture says you're in control. That's arrogance. The other posture recognizes God is in control, that he knows everything. That's a humble heart posture that is honoring to God, glorifies God, and is for your good. Just to recognize, I, I don't know much. By the way, that should be a little bit, you can, you can be offended by that, or you can see that as like a stress relief. The Bible just go, the Bible is outing you, hey, you don't know much. So you don't have to have life all figured out and like, yes, I'm going to dominate this year because I have it perfectly planned. No, actually, I, yeah, I'm just going to embrace what the Bible says. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, so it's not all on me. <laughs> Lauren and I, we uh, took the kids, we flew. I'll tell you what airline we flew on. You'll know where the story's going. We flew from, from Dallas to Jacksonville on Southwest. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which we thought was a great selection. Uh, we're, we're in Florida, got to see family for a few days. It was great. And on, uh, I believe it was this past Tuesday, woke up to like four different texts. I'm not sure why they had to send four, I guess to like rub it in my face, that our flight for, uh, actually it was on Monday, but they were saying that our flight for Wednesday was canceled. Um, and so we talked about driving a little bit and I thought, no, I know better than that. We don't want to drive like 20 something hours across the country with two four-year-olds. That seems like a bad idea. So I thought, hey, you know, let's just check out American. This is like a few hours later. Let's check out American, see what their prices are. Check out American. It was going to be two grand per person, total of $8,000. And so I was like, you know what? Driving sounds awesome. Like, like, I really, I've been wanting to see the Southeast. It's been a while since we've driven across Louisiana and Mississippi and just, alas, it hasn't changed. It's just a lot of trees, okay? <laughs> a lot of trees. But it was, I was kind of laughing once I got over being frustrated and getting a busy signal from Southwest for like 24 hours. It was just a good reminder, a painful reminder, but a good reminder that I, I don't know much. Like, I thought, hey, we're just going to hang out, and on Wednesday, we'll get on the plane, and it'll be good. And no, on Wednesday, I was getting in a minivan and driving. <laughs> That's what we were doing. I don't know much. Uh, our friend Brant, that plays uh, bass up here often in, in the venue, 
And which, man, he's like such a faithful guy. Anyway, stay on track. Anyway, I love that guy. But he sent me a few weeks ago, after I'd mentioned alligators in one of my sermons, he sent me a picture that one of his friends from Arkansas he does business with um, sent him. And it was a picture of, I don't know, probably a, a 10 or 11 foot alligator that I caught there in Arkansas. And his friend was telling him that the state of Arkansas, to help with their beaver problem, brought in Florida alligators. And years later, now, alligators are a problem and the beavers are still a problem. <laughs> Just like they, they thought they had a fix and nope, still, nope, still a problem. Again, another reminder, we don't know much. I mean, come up with a plan, come up with an agenda. That's good. That's, that's actually biblical. It's, it's biblical, you're obeying scripture to, to plan and have forethought. That's a good thing. But you still need to recognize, I, I don't know much. Isn't this really encouraging for a New Year's sermon? <laughs> if you think that's encouraging, here's point two. Mindset we need to embrace. My life is short. My life is short. He says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes quick, fast, short. By the way, it may, you may think, well, I'm in, I'm in my, I'm, in, I'm a teenager. I'm in my twenties. Like I'm just getting started. Okay. Maybe, but you also don't know when you're going to die. I'm not trying to be overly morbid, but like if, if for some reason your days are numbered at the age of 45 or 50 and you're in your twenties, then maybe you're not as, as young as you think, you don't know how old you are, but for all of us, our lives are short. They're, they're just a vapor. They're a mist. They're fleeting. They're passing. Not to get too spiritual on you, but I want to read some words from uh, the, the theologian John Mayer. I'm just kidding. He's not a theologian. But he, he has this song called Stop This Train that talks about age. And he says, don't know how else to say it. Excuse me. Don't know how else to say it. I don't want to see my parents grow old. One generation's length away from fighting life out on my own. Come on, stop this train. I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I, I know I can't, but honestly, won't someone stop this train? I'm so scared of getting older. I'm only good at being young. young. So I play the numbers game to find a way to save my life has just begun. We do that, don't we? I turned... Uh, 37 in December. And like, I keep, like, I remember when I was a teenager, 37 seemed old, right? Some of you teenagers are like, you are old, bro. <laughs> but now that I'm 37, I'm like, well, if I live, like my grandma's 94. So I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even, I got a long time, right? But then, and then I'm sure here soon, I'll be saying 50 is the new 30 or whatever, right? Like just, we play the, that's what it means. We play the numbers game to say we're just getting started. But the reality is life is short. He, he says specifically, your life is, is a mist. It's a vapor. So I remember uh, when I was youth pastor on Itasca, I actually preached this text, approached it a little differently, but I had a similar illustration, but I used, because I was a youth pastor, I used Axe body spray and the whole front row started coughing. So this time I went with water. Okay. So you're welcome, ladies. All right. So if you're, if your life, James says your life is like a mist. It's just a vapor. Let's just, let's watch it. And, and keep in mind, we're under some light. So you're going to get a little extra, extra time here. So do you want to see it again? 
That was it. I'm, I'm closer to it, so I can see a little bit longer than you can, which is how your life is, right? People closer to you, your impact on them, their visibility of your life is longer. But the further removed you are from people, or that people are removed from your life, your life seems even shorter and less impactful to them. And keep in mind, I pointed out this, I was spraying this under the lights. If I went out, I sprayed this in the hallway earlier and you really couldn't see it. It was like, oh, I think there's little water droplets. It looked a lot more impressive under the spotlight. Most of us, me included, are not under the spotlight. Lives are short. I'm just, cur- just curious. How many of you, be honest, how many of you know all four of your great-grandparents' names? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> Liar. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, buddy. Five, six, seven, got a maybe, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Which props to you guys. <laughs> so let's think about it. I, I, I did not raise my hand. Those, your, your great-grandparents, their blood is flowing through your veins our veins, and we don't even know their names. Life is short. If you're wondering where all this is going, James has some application, so hang in there. But first, you got to realize, I don't know much. As I go into 2023, it is a brand new year. Still, it doesn't change the fact that my life is short. I love what Pastor Ben Stewart says, that the... uh, the death rate is the same it's always been. One per person. <laughs> Unless your name is Jesus and you're from Nazareth, right? But, well, he died, but he rose again. So anyways, one per person. Lives are short. If, if that was all we took from this text, that we don't know much and lives are short, it would be pretty depressing. But there's actually a lot of hope here in this text. And you could either see this truth in verse 15 that I'm about to point out as oppressive, or you could see it as comforting. You could see it as burdening and oh, or you could see it as burden lifting. I want to read verse 15. So instead of being prideful in this posture that I've got life figured out and I know everything and I've got long life to make an impact, he says, actually, instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What's the point? The mindset you should embrace every day, but certainly as you go into 2023, is this. I have a shepherd. I have a shepherd. You can look at verse 15 like, oh, well, I guess God's in charge, and if he allows it. Or you can have a more, look at the, it in context of the entire Bible. He's pointing out that God is in control. God is sovereign. He, it's God's providence so that he has the power to be in control, but he's also purposeful with his control, that he's good to us with his ability to to be in control. You have a shepherd who is looking over you, looking over your life. So we should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's not this contrite, uh, silly phrase of Lord willing, which that's not nothing wrong with saying that, but how often we say Lord willing, we're just kind of throwing it out there to sound whatever cliche. No, it's a true statement. If the Lord allows, I know he's powerful. I know he's good. I know he's my shepherd. If the Lord allows, then yeah, this or that will happen. I have a shepherd. You have a 
shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for you, so you know you can trust him as your shepherd. He had some, some words about this idea in Matthew 6, verse 25. You're welcome to turn there. You don't have to. I'm not changing sermons. But Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown to the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know who holds tomorrow, right? Your good shepherd, Jesus, he's, he's in control. You can trust his goodness, his, his plans for your life. John Piper in his book, Providence, talks about this text. I think it's so encouraging. He says, Jesus really considered it. By the way, he's referencing uh, the Matthew passage I just read. But he says, Jesus really considered it a valid argument that if our heavenly father feeds the birds and clothes the lilies, how much more surely will he feed and clothe his children? This is simply astonishing. The argument is valid only if God really is the one who sees to it that the birds find their worms and the lilies wear their flowers. If birds and lilies are simply acting by natural laws with no divine hand, then Jesus is just playing with words. But he is not playing with words. He really believes that God's hand is at work in the smallest of details of natural processes. This is even clear in Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. God does not just feed the bird and clothe the lilies. He decides when every bird, countless millions every year, dies and falls to the ground. His point is the same as Matthew 6. He is your father. You are more precious to him than birds. Therefore, you don't need to be afraid. That kind of pervasive providence combined with that kind of fatherly care means he can and will take care of you. You have a shepherd. So I, I don't know much. And on top of that, my life is short. But I have a shepherd. Takes care of me. 
so, James always has a so. So, verse 17, it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. So, because I don't know much, because my life is short, but I have a shepherd who's already told me what to do, who leads me and guides me and takes care of me, I should do the right thing while I can. Here's the fourth mindset we've got to embrace. This is this. There's no time like today. That's what James is saying. Yeah, you don't know much. You don't know when your life will end, but you do have a shepherd. You do know what he's told you to do. So do it. Get busy doing what God has called you to do. You don't sit back and throw your hands up. Well, I don't know much. My life is short, so who cares? No, the, the call is because of those things and because you have a shepherd who equips you and leads you and guides you and walks with you, because of that, you lean into what God has called you to do. You, you press in, you, you move forward. We talk about so often in churches, like the things you shouldn't do. James is pointing out here that when you don't do the things God has called you to do, that is sin. When you're not living the life he's called you to live, maybe you're not, quote, doing bad things, but you're not living out what he's called you to do, then that's actually sin, sins of omission. There's no time like today. You know, how much time is on the clock changes the way you play the game. NBA Finals, 2018, Cavaliers versus Warriors. Now, look, I'm, uh, I, I was watching this game. I, I know he's not a great guy and he's got some crazy ideas, but I, for a long time, have enjoyed watching LeBron James play basketball. Boo, okay, I know, whatever. But like, but I, so I was watching the Cavs game and uh, playing the Warriors and it was game one and they had been down by a lot. I think LeBron put up like 50-something points, something in that ballpark, just unreal. And it was tie ball game, tie basketball game with 4.7 seconds left on the clock. And George Hill from the Cavaliers was shooting free throws. Missed the first one, has a chance to make the second one. If they make it, they've only got four seconds to defend the Warriors, which was really hard because Steph Curry can shoot from anywhere and make it right. But four seconds at that point, and they're going to win the game. Well, George Hill shooting for the Cavs, misses the second free throw, but J.R. Smith grabs the rebound. So as I'm watching, I'm pulling for the Cavs, I'm like, this is amazing. Like they're right. He's right there under the goal. He really could have just put it back up or passed it to LeBron or one of the other big guys on their team, maybe Kevin Love or somebody, just right there under the goal and put it in. But J.R. Smith, he got the rebound and he ran back to half court and dribbled it out until the clock ran out. And there, it went viral. LeBron James, he runs over to J.R. Smith and there's this picture of him going... He's pointing at the clock and pointing at the goal. What were you thinking? You had the ball with only 4.7 seconds left and you dribbled it out. So now we have to go to overtime and they went into overtime and they lost. And like, never, nobody, I don't think J.R. Smith ever really confessed to what he was um, going through his head, but either he had forgotten how much time there was on the clock, that there wasn't much time, or he had forgotten their situation because he just wasted 4.7 seconds and really wasted a 50-point game by LeBron. Wasted it. How much time you have on the clock in your situation determines how you play the game. If I don't know much, I don't have much time on this earth, but I have a shepherd who is 
leading me and guiding me. And clearly, what has God told me to do? I don't hear from him. I don't know. Just pick. There's 66 books. This is a pretty big book. Read it. He's told you what to do. Take the shot. Lean into what he's called you to do. If that's sharing the gospel with your friends and your family and your coworkers, if that's being consistent in Christian community like this, if that's repairing an old friendship or relationship that's kind of hit some rocky places, maybe that's ending a friendship or relationship that's been toxic for you and leading you away from the Lord. Maybe it's learning to give and step out in faith with your finances. Maybe it's, it's going on that mission trip or, or serving in that new role or that new position that God is leading you towards, you've been, but you've been scared to. Hey, you don't know much. Your life is short. You have a shepherd who's leading you. Step into it. Take the shot. Follow him. There's no time like today sin to know the good and yet not do it. You know, again, this is about posture. It's not four things I'm going to go out and do, but it's a heart and mind posture that's really open-handed toward the things of God, toward his leading, toward being a good steward of what he's given you, of how you're going to approach, yeah, 2023, but I would say more importantly, every single day. Small shifts made over a stretch of time have significant impact. What's your heart posture? You know, what makes taking the shot difficult? What makes leaning into what God has given you to do difficult is we already have kind of these plans that we want to hang on to, or maybe um, just these things, some pride that we want to hang on to, or maybe it's just, uh, this is, a, this is a, a purpose I want to do with my life, so we kind of hang on to that. And sometimes God leads you a different direction, right? He, he, your flight gets canceled and you got to drive a different route. Like he, he'd lead you differently. When our kiddos were just learning to walk and pull up on things, I remember our daughter had a handful of stuffies. This is a theme in her life. She always had stuffies, uh, stuffed animals. She calls them stuffies. Had a handful of stuffed animals. And uh, we're trying to help her learn to climb up on things. And we wanted her to get up on the ottoman. She wanted to get on the ottoman. Uh, But because her hands were full and the ottoman was about up to here because she was little, she just kind of kept smacking the ottoman with her face, right? Like she, she, she couldn't get up onto it. And, and, she finally, when she finally was able to get up on the ottoman, it was when she let go of the stuffies. And then she just hopped right up there, right? Your life is like that. If you cling to your plans and your purposes and what, what you've got picked out for 2023, there's going to be some things that God calls you into. And because your hands are closed, it's going to be hard to move into, to step into what he's calling you to. But if you'll go with open-handed toward what God has for you, and like, I want to I be like you, I want to follow you, it's much easier to step into, step up to what God has for you. So here's how I like us to, to close the service and, and, and begin today in, in 2023. If y'all would just stand up with them. I'm not gonna make you do anything weird, don't worry. But if you just stand up and our worship team's gonna make their way this way, will you just take a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed just to maybe, if, this, if you wanna do something different, that's okay. But my encouragement would be to just put your hands out in front of you, like you're receiving something or even giving something. And just take a moment to talk with the Lord. Lord, I want to be open-handed with you. Yes, in 2023, but more importantly, every single day of my life.
God, I would do what you have for me to do, even if it's not what I had planned or had on the agenda or even saw coming. Or that I would not be so tied to my purposes and my plans that I miss out on what it is you want me to do. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 